Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Lord, we come to you this morning and thankful Lord, that we can gather together, that we can praise your name. And uh, Father, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, that you would open our spiritual ears to hear your small voice speaking to our hearts, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today, and that we would walk away changed because we've had this encounter with you, and you've done something, and you, as you're continuing to do something, in our lives. And we pray this prayer with great expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to release the children if they want to, want to go back this morning. And uh, we're going to do something that we haven't done in a while. We haven't had communion in a number of months. So um, I want to read from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, as I always do. And uh, by the way, if, if you're visiting with us today, uh, you don't have to be a member of Life Fellowship to have communion. We just ask that you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. So uh, uh, feel free to join us, and we'll, we'll give a little more instruction here in a, a couple of minutes. But I, w- I want to read what um, Paul wrote to the early church. He said, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So every time we have communion, we're reminded of what Jesus has done for us. Um, The bread represents his body that went to the cross. It was broken for us, and uh, he he took on all the the sin. Uh, In the same way, He took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and His people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so again, whenever we take communion, we're reminded of God's love for us and all the things that Jesus did to restore us back into this relationship with Him. He goes on to write, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until He comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why uh, many uh, many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. So whenever we take communion, we take a few minutes and say, Lord, is there something in my heart that you're dealing with? Is there something that I need to take care of? Do I need to go and ask forgiveness for someone uh, from someone this week? Or do I need to extend forgiveness? Do I need to restore a relationship? And this is a personal thing between you and the Lord. But if, there's, if the Lord lays something on your heart and you're going to take care of it at the first opportunity, then it's probably okay for you to take communion. But this, again, this is a personal thing. I want to pray over the elements. Lord God, I just lift up these elements, this, these uh, cups of grape juice and wafers, Lord. And 
we just ask that you would uh, just bless these, Father, and that you would bless us as we partake and we're reminded of your great love for us. And, and Father, we, we're just so thankful that your blood, Jesus, covers all of our sin. And you are the restoration bringing us back into this relationship with the Lord. So we thank you for it. Steve is going to take these and they'll be back here. Uh, just, just as a reminder, uh, PC was, Pastor Christine was saying that if you can take the top off and get the wafer and then pull the whole thing off and get to the juice, it can get messy. <laughs> you can end up spilling this thing all over yourself, so be careful. Uh, but we're going to take a, a couple of minutes and reflect. And uh, um, after that time when I come back up, if, 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 if you want between now and then, if you want to go and grab a cup and come back and be seated, we'll take some time to reflect. And then at, at the end of that, then we'll all partake together. Okay? All right. if you can find the little tab on top of the tab and take that off you'll find a tasty little wafer there <laughs> I don't know how tasty it's going to be but uh, everybody good alright and let us partake of the wafer together And then if you want to peel off the top, careful there, because it will spill, and it is grape juice. And let us partake of the juice together. All right, if you'll pass those to the inside aisle, there'll be somebody there to, here comes Steve with a trash can. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. And uh, so we would like to release the children that want to go back. They'll be meeting back there this morning. And I want to, again, thank you for joining us this morning and, and welcome you. Um, before we get into the message this morning, um, let's recite our mission statement. Do you remember what it is? It's been a while. Okay, recite it with me. It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And our goal is that we come into this personal, intimate relationship with Him. 
And then the results of that is our vision, which is to, you want to recite this, to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. So that's our goal. I believe that that's what the Lord wants us to do, come into this relationship with Him, and then go and make a difference in the world as we go out and live it. All right. So my first point this morning is follow the instructions of the Lord. Last week we looked at Isaiah uh, chapters 24 and 29 where we talked about some of the, or we looked at some of the prophetic signs that um, Isaiah gave and talked about and uh, warned the people of Israel about. And also were these uh, uh, prophetic signs were confirmed through Jesus and the things that he said. And uh, Israel's greatest fault or their greatest failing was that they rejected the Lord. I mean, that was the greatest problem for them. And then in addition to that, they began to worship other pagan gods and idols. And they began to break God's covenant that they had made. And so this morning, I want to talk about what was the covenant that they broke? What was the real problem? And the problem was that as they turned away from God, bottom line is as they turned away from God, they began living ungodly lifestyles. They began worshiping pagan gods and idols. And that was the real problem. Um, Because whenever we remove ourselves from the Lord, whenever we um, turn away from Him, then it creates all kinds of problems. And and maybe you've done that in your life. Maybe there have, been time, there have been times in my life where I walked away from the Lord for a season. And, uh, but God's grace and mercy is greater than our sin. And He's always wanting to take us back. And, uh, and, and we see that time and time again with Israel where they would turn away from God and then they would repent and He would restore them back into relationship and set them free from their captives and things like that. So let's look at the... The, the covenant that they broke, Moses gave the Ten Commandments to the people in Exodus 20. We're going to look at, uh, we're going to kind of just rip through verses 1 through 17, Exodus 20, 1 through 17. And by the way, we have our, uh, the scriptures and the notes and the U version. If you have that Bible app, you can go there. And I think you look for Life Fellowship so you can follow along with the scriptures and the, uh, um, the points, the sermon points. Um, then God gave the people all these instructions. Verse Exodus 22. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. So we know that he delivered them. We know that they were in bondage in Egypt and he, he uh, sent Moses to deliver them and did all kinds of miracles for them to release them. They crossed the Red Sea on dry land and then the Egyptian army followed behind and they were drowned in the same area where the uh, Israelites had crossed on dry land. And so he um, delivered them. Have you ever stopped to think about, when you think about how God delivered Israel, Jesus has delivered us. And so we crossed the, the ground, on, uh, we crossed the sea on dry land, and uh, I, I'm so appreciative that uh, Jesus has forgiven us and that we can be restored, even when we stumble and fall. God is there to restore us and bring us back into this relationship. Verse 3 says, You must not have any other God but me. So, a couple of questions here. Have we replaced the Lord with idols or other things, materialism, other stuff? Anything that we esteem more than God is an idol. 
And, and those can be good things. We can even esteem ministry above the Lord. We can esteem our children above the Lord. Because anything can become an idol. But um, anything that we esteem greater than the Lord is an idol. Um, let me read on in, in verse 4 here. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. And we know that time after time after time, Israel and Judah, they did make for themselves idols. And that's why the Lord said, don't intermarry with these other tribes when you go to the promised land because they will pull you away from my relationship with you and you'll begin to worship their gods and their idols and things of that nature. And I remember, I've shared this story with, with you many times. Uh, some of you may not have heard this, but a number of years ago, there were a group of us pastors, probably 30 or 40 of us, that went to a Buddhist temple. We went to a Hindu temple. We went to a mosque and, and went to see um, how some of these other religions worshipped and went to their temples and stuff. And what was so amazing to me was when we went to the Hindu temple, uh, we met the monks, and uh, they were the nicest people. I mean, they were so kind. They, were, they had such gentle spirits about them. You know, they just seemed like really nice people. And then we went into their, their temple, and they had all of these idols. They had all these uh, figures of these things, and they were, all, they were behind these... Um, they were in these cages, and they were all dressed up with all this... Um, really, I don't know, elaborate clothing on these idols. And, and I just thought it was so weird that people would actually bow down and worship to these, these idols. And we know that uh, in Hinduism, they have like 44,000 gods. Everything is a, almost everything is a god because they don't want to upset the gods. So they... They pray to this God and that God and because they don't want to get this God upset. But I thought it was so, I was just so awestruck that, that people would actually worship these carved idols. I don't even know what they were made out of. If, if they were made out of wood or uh, metal or some kind of polymer plastic. And then we went to a Buddhist temple and they had this big... Uh, statue of Buddha and, and people were bringing their offerings fruit and things like that and people were kneeling down and worshiping this idol and it, it just seemed so foreign to me because I had never seen anything like that and and so the Lord way back then he was saying don't don't participate in that don't kneel down and worship these these idols and these other gods these pagan gods Isaiah, let's go to Isaiah 44, and the Lord is speaking through Isaiah in Isaiah 44, 9. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect why it's just a block of wood. I burned half of it for the heat and used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? And so what he's saying is, okay, so you get a piece of wood, they would get a piece of wood, and they would maybe use part of it to build a fire, to cook their bread or roast their meat, and then they would take another part of it, and they would make an idol out of it. How, how is, 
you know, what are they thinking? How did this piece of wood now become something that they worship? And, you know, again, it's just, I think what happens is people get caught into a tradition and maybe this is what they've grown up with all of their life and, and they grew up worshiping these idols and they don't know anything different. But time after time, God says, why are you going to worship this graven image that can't do anything for you? You can pray to it all day long. You can bow down and worship it. You can bring offerings and things. But this thing is dead. Why would you serve something like that? Why would you worship something like that when you can worship the true God who's alive, who can actually do something for you? So... Let's go back to Exodus 25. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. God had done some amazing things for these people. And, and he was saying, look, look, I've done all these things for you. I'm not going to tolerate you worshiping other gods. And why would you? It's just a piece of stone or it's a, a piece of wood or something like that. And there are consequences for sin. And look at the devastation uh, that causes, uh, that's caused by divorce, things like that. And, and where people have taken the Lord out of their marriage, where take, uh, people have taken the Lord out of their lives, and we see the results. Just look at marriages today. And look at divorce, how devastating that is for children. And some of you know what that's like because you've, you've been either through a divorce or, or you grew up where your parents were divorced or something like that. And, uh, and, and think about dads being removed from the home. Uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on Father's Day, how vitally important it is to have the dad in the home, the mom and the dad, both present, so that they can train up and raise up their children. And again, I know that uh, some people have gone through situations where it wasn't their fault. But, you know, there's still consequences for that where uh, you, you need the, the man and the woman to raise up the children. And so you have a lot of people that they get divorced just for the sake of convenience with no regard for the results or the consequences of that. Now, God can bring restoration to marriages. He can bring restoration to people. And He can do things like that. But it's kind of like the saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So if we can stop divorces from happening, if we can cause marriages to be strengthened, and we can train up our children in the ways of the Lord, Proverbs 22.6, if we can teach them, and then we can example to them, and we can live this Christian life out in a manner in which they can see, oh, I remember how my mom and dad handled these things. They were committed to one another, even though they had some struggles or they had some challenges or whatever. And so... Um, God is saying, you need me in your life. And, and you need me in your marriage. Your children need to understand and have a relationship with me as well. And so we see the effects that sin has on generation to generation to generation to generation. Let's look at Exodus 26. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Well, let me back up. I think I skipped a scripture here. Let's go back to uh, Exodus 25. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who does not tolerate your affection for any other gods. 
the second half of verse 5 says, I lay the sins of the parents upon the, on their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations to those who reject me. So again, you know, we, I just talked about how the effects of sin uh, impact children from two, three, four generations on, on down the road. And that's why the family unit, being together, connected together, having this uh, relationship with the Lord is so vitally important. And then verse 6, But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Parents that train up their children in the ways of the Lord will see the blessings that follow to generations. And, you know, I, I know families that, that didn't have a relationship with the Lord, but then somebody gets saved in their family and breaks that chain, and it has an impact for generations to come. And so, you know, God has a way of, of uh, reversing the curses, I guess is, would be a, a good way to say it, of turning those things for good and getting us on the right path and restoring our relationships and uh, helping our children as they grow up. Exodus 27 says, You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse His name. And uh, when, when we were in our other building, many of you saw the Ten Commandments that we had in the cafe area and the pictures. And the one that depicted using, not using the name of the Lord in vain had a picture of a man coming out of it. You could see like a, a, a cathedral or a church behind him. And he kind of had his nose turned up as he walked by someone that was begging. So we think using the name of the Lord in vain is a cuss word. You know, we th that's what we think. But it can mean more than that. It can mean uh, manipulating or using uh, Scripture or the Lord for things. We can, um, I've seen people say, well, the Lord told me that I need to do this. And when you look at what they're doing, it doesn't line up scripturally. It doesn't line up biblically, but yet they will take scripture and, <clears throat> and twist it to, to meet their needs or whatever. So the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Verse 8 says, remember to observe the Sabbath and by keeping it holy. So we know that this is really important that we take a day. And so Sunday... For us, is usually a Sabbath. For many of you, some of us work on Sunday. But uh, if you work on Sunday, then you need to take another day off. You need to take a Sabbath. And spend time to re reflect, re refresh, refill, regenerate, all those rewords. And so it's important. God said that this is a command. This is not really optional. It's not optional. He says, be sure, remember to take a Sabbath. Take a day and set it apart for me. And, and spend time with me. And then he says in verse 8, Remember to observe... Oh, that, that's what I just read. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Verse 9 says, You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. <laughs> Listen, I, I know this is hard, you know, uh, to just take a day where you don't do any work and you don't do anything, but this is a commandment. 
And we all need to do it. So we need to hold one another accountable. I have people holding me accountable. Are you taking your Sabbath this week? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm working on that. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. If, if you work on Sunday, just take another day. And there are times when I kind of have to split it up. Like maybe I'll take a half a day here and a half a day here. If, if you have a funeral or something that you have to officiate, I mean, you know, sometimes as a pastor you just have to work. So you just have to find those, those times, but you need to be committed to it. I'm preaching to me now. Uh, you, you have to make a commitment. And let me tell you, it's so vitally important that we all take some time, some downtime, and just spend time with the Lord. And I know, I know it's hard. In this crazy world, we, we have everything going on around us. You have, you know, just, it, it's hard to, to make a break. But, but it, let me tell you, it's really important that we do that. So you have six days each week for your ordinary work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath, a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Because if God determined that he was going to take a day of rest, and he exampled that for us, and he tells us to do it, we should do it. So God sets, sets the examples. Um, verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So we need to honor and respect our parents. And uh, the word says that we will live a long and full life when we do that. Verse 13 says, you must not murder. Period. That's pretty clear. <laughs> you must not murder. Okay. Uh, verse 14, you must not commit adultery. Period. That's pretty clear, right? Um, you must not steal. Verse 15. That's pretty clear. Uh, verse 16, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Verse 17, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, uh, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. So the Lord provides for us, and we need to be satisfied with what we have, and uh, we can be happy for other people. But we shouldn't covet, covet the things that they have. So again, my first point this morning, and it's my only point this morning. <laughs> you know, sometimes I have three points, but today we only have one. It's follow the, uh, the instructions of the Lord. So Moses many times had given instructions to the children of Israel before they were going into the promised land. And... Um, he, he gives them some instructions in Deuteronomy 27. Now, um, this is 40 years after the Lord had given them the Ten Commandments because the Lord gave the children of Israel the Ten Commandments, and then we know that they were in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, and so now they're getting ready to enter into the Promised Land. 
So there's a, a, another generation of, of people that, that Moses is talking to here. And uh, he's reminding them. I mean, he's been telling them all along, these are the things that you need to do. You need to, to love God, obey God, commit to Him. You need to not have any idols before you when you go to the promised land. Don't turn away from me. Those kinds of things. And so here in Deuteronomy, he's reminding them again. The covenant hasn't changed multiple reminders are being given and the reason is we know because even after all these reminders even after they committed they said oh yes we're going to commit to the lord they still continue to turn away so um kind of like today i guess he he says in uh deuteronomy deuteronomy 20 uh and 30 19 and 20 he says that the key to your life is love god obey god and commit firmly to God. But let's look at Deuteronomy 27, verses 1 through 10, and then 14 through 26. And the reason I, I, I'm doing this is because we want to look at what was the problem that happened with Israel. And, and the, the real problem was that they, they said that they would commit to the Lord many times, but they failed to do so, and they continued to break the covenant and next week I plan to talk about the new covenant that that we live under but it's important to understand that when we when we turn away from the Lord and we disregard his instructions to us there are going to be consequences and and, and so you know we don't need to get legalistic about this thing but we do need to take heed we do need to obey what the Lord is telling us to do because it's for our own good it's for the health and welfare of our children, our families, our marriage, those kinds of things. So in Deuteronomy 27, verse 1, Then Moses and the leaders of Israel gave this charge to the people. Obey these commands that I am giving you today. If you do, you will be blessed. Okay, let's look at verse 2. When you cross the Jordan River and enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, Set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Write the whole body of instruction on them when you, when you cross the river to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. A land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. When, verse 4, when you cross the Jordan, set up these stones at Mount Ebel and coat them with plaster as I'm commanding you today. So, and, and you, we find that they did this, if you want to go uh, at some point in time, go to Joshua 8, 30 through 35. We see that after they defeated Ai in the promised land, uh, again, they get reminders and, and about following God. But they, they did do this once they entered into the promised land. So they, he was saying, write these things down so that you'll remember them. Because they're going to forget or you're going to disobey, so you need to write them down. Uh, verse 6 says, Then build an altar there to the Lord your God using natural uncut stones. And I, I thought about this, and I thought, why did they use natural uncut stones? Probably because if they would have began to shape them, eventually they would have shaped them into an idol or something. They would have begun to worship the stones and not and miss the whole point of setting up an altar the altar was to worship god not to worship 
the altar itself, but to worship God. You must not shape the stones with an iron tool. Build the altar of uncut stones and use it to offer burnt offerings to the Lord your God. And so the purpose of the altar was not to worship the altar or even that place, but to worship God and offer sacrifices to Him. Uh, Verse 7 says, Also sacrifice peace offerings on it and celebrate by feasting there before the Lord your God. So he's saying offer sacrifices, offer peace offerings, and celebrate. Celebrate. Take time to reflect on what I've done. Take time to reflect on the blessings that I have poured out upon you. And a peace offering is an offering that indicates an alliance or a friendship. See, God didn't want us just to have this relationship with Him where He's God and and we're His children. He, He wants to be friends with us. He wants to have this intimate, personal relationship with us. And, and so the peace offering was an offering indicating that we had an alliance with God, that we were friends with God. Verse 8 says, You must clearly write all these instructions on the stones coated with plaster. Then, verse 9, Then Moses and the Levitical priest addressed all Israel as follows, O Israel, be quiet and listen. <laughs> In other words, okay, stop. I want you to listen. I want you to be quiet because what I'm about to tell you is really important. So he tells them in verse 9, Today you have become the people of the Lord your God. Because of this commitment, because of this relationship, because of what the Lord was telling them. And so when we stop and think about our relationship with the Lord, do we realize that we are His children? Do we realize how much He loves us? Do, Do we have depth in this relationship with him is this greater than just a religious thing that we do but we really have this connection with him and he says today you become the people of the lord your god when you accepted christ you became his child you became restored back into that relationship that was broken in the in the garden with adam and eve and through sin and so we're restored back into this relationship with god through christ And he's telling them in the Old Testament here, today you become the people of the Lord your God. Verse 10 says, So you must obey the Lord your God by keeping all these commands and decrees that I'm giving you today. Not because I want to hinder you, not because I want to restrict you, not because I don't want you to have any fun, but it's for your own good. And uh, then the Levites will shout to all the people of Israel, Cursed is anyone who carves or casts an idol and secretly sets it up. Because the the nation of Israel, they knew that they weren't to do this. But there would be people that would probably secretly carve an idol or be worshiping pagan gods. And he says, curse is anyone who does that. A curse is upon you. A non-blessing is upon you when you do those kinds of things. These idols, the work of craftsmen, are detestable to the Lord, and all the people will reply, Amen. And so they were like, okay, let it be so. Yes, we will do this. Cursed is anyone who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people will reply, Amen. They're, they're in agreement, right? They're saying, okay, we're, we're not going to dishonor our father or mother. 
And of course, that, you know, he's reiterating some of these were in the Ten Commandments. He's already told them this. And so this doesn't negate what he's told them, but he's just adding to this. And he's saying, hey, I'm reminding you, curses anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. And all the people will reply, amen. So they had boundary markers. And I'm sure that there were people that would say, hey, the boundary marker is these rocks. I'll just uh, take these rocks and move them over here. And now that makes my property bigger, larger. And so he's saying, don't do that. Don't be dishonest. Be people of integrity. And why would he tell them to do these things or not to do these things? Because they would do it. Because they had done it. They probably did do it. They probably would do it. Um, here's an interesting one. Curse is anyone who leads a blind person astray on the road. And all the people will reply, Amen. Now, why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, I, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, somebody that can't see, we need to, to help them, not play a trick on them. Oh, here's the road, go down this way. And, and then they end up walking off a cliff or something. I don't know why they would do that. But anyway, verse 19, Curses anyone who denies justice to foreigners, orphans, or widows. And all the people will reply, Amen. And we know the Word says that we need to take care of widows and orphans. We need to be generous people. We need to be loving, kind people. We need to help people. And so, uh, we should not deny justice to foreigners, orphans, or widows. But we should be people of, of justness. Um, verse 20, Curse is anyone who has sexual intercourse with one of his father's wives, for he has violated his father, and all the people will reply, Amen. And we know that that happened even after this. And, and so it was, again, it was a matter of integrity and respect. Um, verse 21 says, Curse is anyone who has sexual intercourse with an animal, and all the people will reply, Amen. Now, I'm not sure why they would be having sex with an animal. <laughs> Uh, but he's saying, don't do that. And apparently, it was a, you know, something the Lord was concerned about or he wouldn't be telling them, right? He says, don't do it. So they must have been doing it. Um, Curse is anyone who has sexual intercourse with his sister, whether she is the daughter of his father or his mother, and all the people will reply, amen. So apparently, there were siblings that were having sex together now here's one that well let me just read it cursed is anyone who has sexual intercourse with their mother-in-law and all the people say ooh <laughs> so again you know the lord is reminding them of these things and, he, and he's saying don't do these things stop it if you're doing these things stop don't have sex with your sister. Don't have, have sex with your mother-in-law. Don't have sex with your donkey, you know, or whatever. I, I, I don't know. Um, curses anyone... Oh, wait. Let's see. Okay, verse 24. Curses anyone who attacks a neighbor in secret. And all the people will reply, Amen. Verse 25. Curses anyone who accepts payment to kill an innocent person. And all the people will reply, Amen. So the Lord, again, is just reminding them of some of these things 
that were happening, apparently. Verse 26 says, Curses anyone who does not affirm and obey the terms of these instructions. And all the people will reply, Amen. So why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because last week we looked at what was going on with Israel. And the problem was they were breaking these covenants. They were breaking this agreement with the Lord. And so we see people today that are living compromised lives, that are not following the commands of the Lord. Not that this is a ritualistic, legalistic thing, but listen, we should not be uh, having adulterous affairs. We should not be stealing. We should not be killing people. We should not be doing these things. And I think what's happening sometimes is that people get really complacent about their relationship with the Lord and begin to embrace things that the world says are okay. I mean, it's amazing to me how perverted that uh, TV has, has become and even the commercials promoting adultery and sexuality, sexual immorality, homosexuality, the things that the Bible says are clearly wrong. And, you know, we're to hate the sin but love the sinner. And so we need to, to be the light in this earth. We need to be salt. We need to be setting an example. We need to not be compromising. I saw on social media, I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, that California was saying you can't sing in church. You know, it's like, it's like the world is wanting to come in and encroach on the church and say, you can't do this. You can't sing in church. What's next? Well, you can't preach the Bible. You can't teach anything that, that offends anyone. Well, I mean, where does it end? So what do we do as Christians? Well, we're supposed to obey the law. The Bible says obey the law unless it breaks God's laws. And we're not to break God's laws. What if somebody came in and said, you can't sing anymore. You can't worship God. What would you do? How would you handle that? Would you acquiesce and say, well, okay. Or would you say, no, I'm going to praise God anyway. Again, I'm not proposing that we break the laws of the land, but I, but I am saying that we're not going to break God's laws. And, uh, I mean, you see people out on the streets and doing all kinds of things, and then you're going to say the church can't sing. The church can't worship God. And we talked about, a few weeks ago, we talked about the Antichrist and uh, the false prophet and, and how there's coming a time when they're going to say you're not going to be able to offer sacrifices, you're not going to be able to worship. I think we're coming to a place, church, where we need to stand up and say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to let you put me in a box. Because again, when... When our rights are taken away, if our rights are taken away, we may not get them back. So we need to be wise. You know, you, you need to wear a mask when you go out in public, maybe. If you feel uncomfortable, wear a mask. You need to use good common sense, all right? But, but we're not going to begin to let the world tell us what to do regarding our relationship with the Lord. Because they don't have a relationship with the Lord. Oh, well, you know, they're just going to church and, and they're singing. They don't need to do that. No, we're not just coming to church to sing. We're worshiping God. 
It's part of this relational thing. And so I love it when we come here and we gather together and we're singing loudly and we're worshiping and we're engaged because worship was never about just singing and entertainment. It's about engagement. So next week I want to talk about the New Covenant, but I want us to understand the history of what was going on. And it's interesting that history repeats itself many times. And again, I, I, don't, I don't understand how it is that people can bow down and worship idols and these pagan gods. Blocks of stone or, or wood or, or whatever. Especially that we know what this relationship with the Lord is really like. And, and we need to pray for those people. We need to pray that they, they find the God that we know. And that they turn from worshiping these pagan gods and idols. But we can do that as we love people and we demonstrate the love of God. And as we show people about our relationship with Him and how it can be. Because if they don't have a model, if they don't have a reference point, if they don't have an example, if all they know is is bowing down and worshiping these idols, how are they going to know anything different? But God is placing us in the community and out in the world to share and show the love of Christ. Follow the instructions of the Lord because they are for our good, for our health and well-being and for our family. And other people need to know the right things to do that they can come into this relationship with the Lord. That they don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. We're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works. Do people know that? Do people uh, believe that, well, I've got I've to worship this idol and I've got to do all these things and I, I have to... No, no, you don't have to do anything. You just come to Jesus and let Him transform your life. Go out and live it. And follow His commands. Love God. Obey God. Commit to God. And, and I want to share this word that I shared with you that I received on May 13th. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. I don't, I'm still praying about that. I hope you're praying about that with me. What does that really mean? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for my family? What does that mean for the church? Things are changing, guys. You know that. But the world as we know it will soon come to an end. I, I'm not sure what all that means, but we need to pray. We need to ask the Lord. We need to be seeking Him and following Him. And we need to be taking a Sabbath and spending time with Him. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord. And if that's you, would you slip up your hand this morning? Anybody here? Maybe online you're watching and uh, you don't have a relationship with the Lord and, and you'd like to have one or maybe you've walked away from Him at some point in time. Just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I ask that you would bring me into this personal, intimate relationship with you that Pastor Mark was talking about today. And so I receive you in my heart. I receive you in my life. And I thank you for this new day. And I thank you for this new beginning. I want to pray one more prayer for you that prayed that prayer. Lord, I pray for the fire and the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit to flood into them even right now, Lord God, as they read the Word of God, as they read the Bible, 
that it would come alive as they spend time in prayer, that you would speak to their hearts, that they would hear and recognize your small, still voice speaking to them, and that you would begin this transformation process of drawing them into a deeper, more personal, intimate relationship with you. And again, for all of us, that our our sensitivity to your Holy Spirit would increase and that we would hear and that we would obey and that we would do what you're telling us to do in all things. Next week, I'm planning to start a new series. It's called Navigating Change. And I'll be talking about some things that can help us continue to navigate change. And the greatest thing that we can do is to stay connected to the Lord. <laughs> and uh, I, I love that many of you are, are comfortable in coming together and fellowshipping and worshiping together. And, and I want to encourage you to do that if you're comfortable. And uh, each week we're evaluating, uh, you know, the situation. And we want to make sure that everyone is staying safe and we're uh, sanitizing everything and we're doing everything that we can to keep you safe. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to this next series. And I, w- I want you to know how much I love all of you. And these messages that I feel like God is giving us are to help us, but not only help us, but help other people that, that don't know the Lord. So I hope you'll continue to stay tuned. And uh, uh, anyway, God is good. He loves us. And uh, I believe that God is wanting to do some amazing things through our lives. But the key is that we stay connected. If you'll stand and let's recite this blessing that uh, the Moses told Aaron to bless the people with. If you'll stand and just bless one another. If you'll recite this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Will you go in His love, go in His peace? Will you go and make a difference in the world as you go out and live it? You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it!